Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. The Golden West Radio Network presents Crisis. It's ten o'clock. Maybe it's over. Maybe. You know, I was thinking someone could jolly well write this up, you know. Make a mystery on out of it. I, you could. Ah, uh, I write the news, not murder mysteries. There's plenty enough to keep me busy just rewriting the war dispatches. Three senseless killings, bang, bang, bang. Yes, and by three of the country's most honorable citizens. Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday night. And all between nine and ten o'clock. Fantastic. It's more than that, Denny. It's diabolical. I don't think the Yard has ever faced anything like it. Isom? Sir? Well, it's got me beat. Who's this? Uh, my nephew, sir. Dennis Cochran. He's a news writer for the BBC. Denny, may I present Inspector Burroughs? Now, what the devil is he doing here? Uh, look, I'm terribly sorry. Are you on some official business, sir? Uh, n- no, sir. He's just off duty, Inspector. Stop by for just a moment. I see him. I'm terribly sorry, Inspector. I was just leaving. Uh, good night, Uncle Aubrey. Inspector. Good night, Jimmy. You needn't worry about the lad, Inspector. I'm not worried about him. I'm worried about this. Number four. Number four. Captain John McDonald, RAF, taken into custody after confessing to choking of Andrew Marble, the theater usher at Harmon Theater, High Street, just past 2100 hours... 7th of August, 1941. An usher? An usher. A total stranger. Is he dead? Thank God, no. Barely alive. He was 72 years old. And who is this MacDonald? An heiress. RFC, Victoria Cross. Spitfire pilot. What in heaven's name is going on, sir? Isom, we've got something unspeakably evil on our hands. Monday night, Marion Hastings, a member of Parliament, beats his chauffeur to death. Confesses. No apparent motive. Tuesday night, Colonel Trowbridge shoots two British sailors in the Charing Cross station. Last night, this uh, Adrian Kempill tries to kill a fellow doctor at Victoria Memorial Hospital. Again, no motive. And now tonight. Yes. And the way it's going, there'll be another one tomorrow night, and the next night, and the next, until we can anticipate them and stop it. They've got to be linked. Of course they're linked. Four respectable men... Officers, director of the hospital, an MP, all go berserk and... Look here, Isom. I'm relieving you of all other duty. I can't spare many men, but take those you need and find a pattern before London loses her mind. London CID. The Criminal Investigation Department of the London Metropolitan Police is better known as Scotland Yard. Its exploits in crime detection are legendary. But one of the most challenging mysteries ever handled by Scotland Yard is also one of its least known cases. Muffled by wartime secrecy and suppressed for more than 30 years afterward, it ranks in the forefront among dramas of suspense in the annals of police work. And it enshrines as a legend in itself the dogged determination of one policeman who refused to give up, even in the face of mounting frustration and bafflement. It took the stubbornness of Homicide Sergeant Aubrey Isom of the London Metropolitan Police to unravel the case known in the files as number 88915. Tonight, we turn back the calendar to August 1941 as Crisis presents Clockwork. And now, Act One of Clockwork. Now see here, Inspector Burroughs. As chairman for the London Newspaper Alliance, we are perfectly willing to keep mom on war secrets. 
But how much longer do you expect us to withhold these killings? I'm sorry, Lord Honesty, I don't know. When will you know? I can't say, my lord. But it mustn't get into print for the sake of morale. You have a lower opinion of London's morale than I have. If we could take the Brits, we can take four senseless murders, I should think. It's the circumstances of the cases, my lord. Well, are you making any headway? I'm sure we shall be. Who have you got on it? How many men? Well, actually, one of my best men. One? Four restless assaults by men who were utterly respectable. Three dead men. Four. Four? The usher, Andrew Marble. When did he die? Late last night. He never regained consciousness. See here, Burroughs. Doesn't it strike you there's a pattern to all this? It's no coincidence. All the attacks were utterly unprovoked. All done by respectable men, not thugs. If you ask me, this is the work of some organization. It's planned. It's a conspiracy. Could be subversives. This has gone beyond coincidence. We've a better chance of solving it in secrecy, my lord. Well, very well. But I warn you, Inspector, one more of these and the sentinel will blow it onto the front page. And so will the rest of the papers. I beg you not to, sir, in the public interest. Public interest? Don't you think it's in the public interest to be informed there's a... A curse creeping over England's finest men. Good day, sir. Good day, Lord Hardesty. <sighs> Main Grove. Yes, Mr. Burrows. Get me Sergeant Isom. Sergeant Isom is interrogating a suspect, sir. I don't think he wants to be disturbed. Oh, all right. Have him see me directly he's through. Yes, sir. Captain MacDonald, please, once more. What more can I tell you? I, I confess. Just go back over the evening. All right. I, I got the bus up from the fighter base in Sussex. Uh, Red Cross had got me a ticket to the show at the Harmon. Um, yes, I got off at Sloan Street, walked up Knightsbridge looking for a taxi. Uh, I couldn't get one. Finally, I, I took a bus at Hyde Park and rode to Piccadilly Circus. I, I was there early. Um, finally, the doors opened and I, I went in. I sat down, I saw the show, I was just leaving the theater when... Yes? Well, I tell you, Sergeant, the man I choked was no usher. Who do you think he was? I, I don't know. I, I can't remember. You remember choking the man? No. What's the next thing you remember? Well, people all around me pulling me back from this... Uh, this pitiful old white-haired man lying on the floor of the lobby. Had you ever seen the man before? No. Did he say anything to provoke you, to make you want to kill him? No, I, I don't remember. Look, I've confessed. I've told you the whole bloody story three times. Think, Captain. I want to know every single thing that led up to the assault. And I've told you. That's, that's all a blank. All right. That will be all for now. Captain MacDonald is ready to return to his cell. My God, Sergeant, I, I didn't want to kill him. Not, not an old man. I, I didn't mean to do it. I, I don't even know why I did it. Come on, come on. Sergeant Isom, you're to see Inspector Burroughs right away. Oh, yes, indeed. He wanted to see me, Inspector. Yes. None other than Peter Lord Hardesty called on me this morning to demand we solve the clockwork killings or he'll run the whole damn thing in his papers. Clockwork killings? Yes. Fetching name, isn't it? His idea. Get him a thousand new readers at least. Oh, I hope we can keep it out of the papers, sir. Well, that's what I'm trying to do. But I can't hold him off much longer. How did you do with Captain MacDonald? Well, not very well, I'm afraid. I don't have much experience with a case where we have a confessed killer but no motive, let alone three others just like it. Have you talked with the rest of them? Hastings, Colonel Trowbridge, Kent Hill. Yes, sir. I did them in the order of the uh, case's chronology. I thought that way I might sense some kind of continuity. Well, did you? Pardon me, did I what, sir? Sense some kind of continuity? Uh, no, sir. Come on, Uncle Aubrey, what's been going on? I shouldn't talk about it, Denny. I know that's right. I just thought maybe I could help. Can you have a sandwich with me? I'm so keen to know the latest. I brought my lunch. Your Aunt Amelia puts up my lunch. I'll eat with you, though. Good. 
Oh, can you wait just a moment? I'll only be a second. I want to see if I can get a bit of tobacco. Hello, Denny boy. Mr. Tufts, meet my uncle, Aubrey Isom. Pleased to meet you, Miss Isom. My pleasure. Do you have any player's navy cut? I wish I did. Could sell them and retire. Nothing till Wednesday. I'll be out of the habit by then. Only some pipe tobacco. Ever roll your own? <laughs> Not me. I couldn't get the hang of it. Well, that's all I came for. I'll see you later, Mr. Tufts. Cheerio. Pleasure meeting you, Mr. Ising. Uh, Isom. Uh, right. Uh, come again. How about the park? Fine with me. Uncle? Yes, what? Candidly. What do you think? I don't know what to think. But surely you must have a theory. Not even that, Denny. Don't you think it's a conspiracy? Conspiracy? Well? You mean, don't I think that a member of parliament and an army colonel, a surgeon and an RAF pilot all decided to kill perfectly innocent people in two cases, people who are perfect strangers to them? You make it sound like a silly idea. It is silly. There was no conspiracy. So far as we know, there was no connection between any of the four suspects. No connection between them, no motive for the attacks. Each man insists he has no memory of the actual assault. It's crazy. But there has to be some connection. I know that. Look, I, I can't take time to eat with you. I'm going back to the yard. But, Uncle... Stop round tonight when you're through. We'll talk then. Seven o'clock, Isom. Sir? I say it's seven o'clock. Yes, sir. Well? Sir? Are you making any headway? I don't know yet, Inspector Burroughs. Well, what are all those papers on your desk? These? Well, they're charts, you see. I've plotted the movements of our four assailants for the eight hours immediately prior to the killings. Good. What have you come up with? Not much, I'm afraid. You see here on Mr. Hastings's case... Beginning at two in the afternoon. Eh? What about two in the afternoon? He was at his club having lunch. Mm. No question about that part. Three good witnesses. He stayed there until just before three. Then his chauffeur drove him to an address on Fleet Street. See, just here. Now, what did he do on Fleet Street? Mr. Hastings has an interest in the journal, I believe. He stopped off to see the publisher. Not a very suspicious trail so far, is it? No, sir, it isn't. Well, then from the journal, he decided to walk a bit, he said. He did little casual shopping, and what with one thing and another, it was close to six when he rang up for his car. When did he go? To his flat in Whitesley. There he changed for dinner, spent a quarter of an hour on the phone with Mrs. Hastings, who was at the family home in Leeds, when he had Fuller, his driver, take him to Cassins for dinner. He dined with his nephew and three other fellows from his nephew's regiment. They parted around nine o'clock... Fuller drove Mr. Hastings back to his flat, arriving just about 9.30. Yes? Well, then what about the killing? Why did Hastings beat his poor chauffeur to death? We don't know yet. Now, what did Hastings have to say? What was his alibi? Nothing. He doesn't remember a thing from 9.30 on until he saw Fuller lying at his feet dead. In the garage. That's right. Brained with a spanner. Um, tire iron, actually. The boot of the car was open, and Mr. Hastings said he found himself with a tire iron in his hand. Well, what does this give us? Well, actually, not much all by itself. But as I developed charts for the other three killings, I hoped to find some incident that would be common to all four cases. You know, such as... Well, I don't know exactly. What about Colonel Trowbridge? Oh, Trowbridge is right over here. Now, it happens Colonel Trowbridge had been inspecting anti-aircraft emplacements all afternoon with a driver from the Home Guard and a sergeant from Billingsgate Barracks. All day? Right up to evening mess, which they took at a mobile canteen down by Limehouse. And? But when they were through eating, it was dark out. Trowbridge sat in the lorry, making up his reports of the day's activities. Then he dismissed the driver, and around nine o'clock, he was at Charing Cross Station... A few minutes later, according to reliable witnesses, Colonel Trowbridge whipped out his Wembley Vickers and fired at two sailors from the HMS Reliant, killing one and seriously wounding the other, who died that night. And what does Trowbridge say for himself? The last thing he remembers is hearing Big Ben strike the hour. Well, there must have been plenty of witnesses to that one. Oh, there were, sir. They all say the same thing. 
They saw Colonel Trowbridge pull out his gun as if he were looking for someone, and when he spotted the sailors, he opened fire. Incredible. Now, in the case of Wednesday's assault at Victoria Hospital, where the victim survived, Sir Adrian Kemphill attacked the victim, Dr. Colin McNair, with a scalpel. He suffered several facial lacerations, but he'll recover. And he gave us precious little to go on. It seems the two of them were completing an operation and were scrubbing up afterward, just listening to the radio. Dr. McNair had got into his clothes first, when all of a sudden Dr. Kemphill looked at him strangely, as Dr. McNair remembered, rushed out of the room and came back a moment later, brandishing a scalpel and went right at him. But what did he say? Kemphill must have said something. McNair says not. He said Kemphill just cursed at him and attacked him. No provocation whatsoever. No, that's not right. There had to be provocation of some kind in each case. Oh, but what about the poor old usher that pilot killed? What did he do to provoke his own murder? We don't know. The pilot had been in London a few hours, hadn't much time, just a pass and a ticket to a show. Just about nine o'clock, the show let out, and he was leaving the lobby when he suddenly saw the old usher and went blank. But he did say something I thought rather curious, sir. Yeah? Captain MacDonald said... Now, where is it? Here. The man I choked was no usher. How's that? Quote. The man I choked was no usher. What the devil? Now, I've checked on Mr. Marble very thoroughly. He was a quiet, common, ordinary sort of person. Never been in any kind of row. No reason at all for MacDonald to say he was no usher. Well, who the devil did he think Marble was? He doesn't know who he thought he was. But whoever he thought the old man really was, he felt justified in killing him with his bare hands. Madness. Exactly, sir. Sheer madness. I'm working on that principle, sir, that the four attackers were out of their minds at the time of each incident. And all within minutes of the same time each night? Why? I don't know that. And yet, I know that's a key to this whole thing. But we'll get at it, sir, I think. Uncle? Oh, Denny. Is it all right? Uh, I think the inspector's gone home. Come on, and close the door. Have you got anything yet tonight? I mean, another clockwork killing? I'm holding my breath. It's just 9.45. If it keeps the pattern, we ought to be hearing about it just now. Hmm. Well, and how's the war going? Well, you can hear for yourself. Jerry's coming over again. I... They must have found out we've a few buildings still standing. Uh, what are you doing? Making charts? Oh, just a very routine procedure. Oh, let me see. May I? Hmm. Uh, what's all this? Uh, a list of names? Friends of the killers. Why? To see if somewhere there's one person they all knew. Oh, uh, I see. But there isn't. Not so far, anyway. Then what's this list? Personal habits. Hmm. Well, they all smoke and drink. The sinful lot. Some of them wager. Some of them don't. One or two of them are, uh, <clears throat> indiscreet. Look here, Denny. You are my nephew and all that, but, but I shouldn't I be... I know one thing that they all have in common. Eh? Oh, you've no doubt seen it yourself. What? What are you talking about? Well, the people they killed, the victims... Well, what about them? Well, aren't they all men in uniform of some kind? Uniform? Well, the M.P. Hastings killed his chauffeur. The colonel killed two sailors. The pilot killed an usher. Uh-huh. You've forgotten Dr. McNair. McNair? The intended victim of our third suspect, Sir Adrian Kempill. He's a civilian. Oh, to be sure. Well, it's just a notion... I don't know what it would prove anyway, even if all the victims were in uniform. Half of England's in some kind of uniform these days. Uncle, would you humor me on something? Check on this Dr. McNair, would you? Check on him? Check on what? Uh, can't you verify if he was wearing a uniform Wednesday night? Oh, I could. Then, would you? <sighs> 
us that number. Uh, he, he's still in hospital? Right there at Victoria. Ah, here it is. Hello, Victoria Hospital. This is Sergeant Isom of the Metropolitan Police. I'm inquiring about Dr. McNair. Well, that's good news. I, I don't suppose you could tell me what Dr. McNair was wearing Wednesday when the assault took place. No, I didn't think so. No, nothing important. What? Yes, yes, I'll wait. She's gone to fetch the charwoman who found him. It seems to me he'd have to be in some kind of a uniform to conform to the pattern. You can't assume a pattern with only four incidents, Denny. There was absolutely no connection among the victims. None of them could have been acquainted with any of the others. No, the parallel, when we find it, will be with... Uh, hello? Yes, this is Sergeant Isom at Scotland Yard. Who is this, please? Mrs. Kerrick. Very good. Mrs. Kerrick, can you tell me what Dr. McNair was wearing at the time he was attacked night before last? You're quite sure? No, thanks very much. Thank you. Good night. How could we have missed that? Uh, what are you looking for, Uncle? Wait. Ah. Well, this is embarrassing. What is it? Plain as the nose on my face. What? Dr. McNair acts as chief surgeon for the Salvation Army. When he got out of his operating gown, he changed into the uniform of an officer in the Salvation Army and got attacked. Homicide, Sergeant Isom. Yes, go on. Yes, I see. When was this, sir? I see. Just wait where you are, sir. We'll be there directly. Becky. Frankie, it's number five, isn't it? Uncle? Yes. Hello, this is Sergeant Isom. Connect me with Inspector Burroughs at his home, will you? Now, wait. Who was it this time, Uncle? Then be quiet. Oh, this is incredible. Five in a row. I can't believe it. Who did it this time? Churchill? Denny. Uh, uh, hello. Inspector, terribly sorry to bother you. We've just had another. Yes, sir. The suspect himself just telephoned, and seeing that... You already know him. I felt sure you'd want to join me at his home. It's that publisher, Lord Hardesty. He says he thinks he's just killed his air raid warden. I presume this is the weapon, my lord. I, uh, I assume so. You assume so? I told you, Inspector, my mind is a complete blank about it. But you admit shooting the man. Well, I, I must have shot him, but oh, I don't know why. You don't know why you shot him? Well, it, it must have been exactly the same way with Sir Adrian and Hastings. Poor devils. Why? Why? Would you like to call your barrister? No, no, I, I know the law, Inspector. Before I bought the Sentinel, I was in practice myself. Yes, I, I know the law, but I don't know myself. <clears throat> Inspector. Oh, yes. Lord Hardesty, this is Sergeant Isom. I've placed him in charge of these... Uh... Clockwork killings. That's the name I gave them myself. Yes, my lord. Rather a good name for them, too, I should think. I wonder if you could give me a bit of information now. What, uh, whatever I can, Sergeant. Yes, sir. Well, first, could you tell me what you did today since about noon? Since noon? Isom, that won't be necessary. Lord Hardesty's part in this has already been established. I know that, Inspector. But neither he nor we seem to know why he shot the man. Well, at noon, I, I was having lunch with my editor-in-chief at Pearson's. And that lasted until, uh, well, I should say, 1 or 1.15. I see. And then what, sir? Well, I I went back to my office. Y yes, I, I went back and worked on an editorial for Sunday's edition... Saw half a dozen people. Well, I took a tour through the plant, listened to a hundred or so gripes from the pressmen. Very ordinary kind of day. 
Four o'clock, had my tea in my office with my daughter. She's an ambulance driver, you know. Oh, that's very nice. Came home about six, and my wife and I dined quietly, alone. You had no callers this evening? None, until poor Jenkins. The air raid warden? Yes. Why did he call on you? I, I don't know. Perhaps the light was showing. I might not have had my blackout curtains properly drawn. Now, tell me everything you can remember about the shooting. That's just it. My mind's a blank. Well, let's see. You telephoned Scott on the yard at precisely 9.52 p.m. tonight. So the shooting took place sometime before that. Do you remember when? No. What about 9.30? Do you remember doing anything at 9.30? No. 9.15. Nine 9.15. Hmm, 9.15. Well, I... I'd just finished listening into the news. Ah, good. Do you remember anything in the news, especially? Well, it was all bad as usual. Any particular dispatch that affected you? No. What were you listening to just before the news? Nothing. I only turned on the radio set at nine to get the news. Oh, my wife has a light program on upstairs in her sitting room. But I can't stand their plays. They're dreadful. Hmm. Well, let's see. I didn't notice your butler tonight. No, Friday's his night off. Oh, then when the air raid warden called, who answered the door? I did. Ah, then you do remember answering the door. Yes. Yes, I... I did answer the door. And there he stood, in his uniform. Sir? Somehow I, I knew he'd come. And so I was waiting for him with a gun. Who? Who did you think he was? I, I don't know. I don't know. Oh, merciful heaven. What's gone wrong with me? And now we continue with Clockwork. morning, Isom. Oh, good morning, Inspector. Have you been up all night? Well, I found I couldn't sleep, so... Yes, I dare say. And what are you doing on the blackboard? Well, my my notes overflowed my desk. Well, what's this? These are the things that each case had in common with the rest. You see, first, none of the suspects could explain why they attacked their victims. None of them had any obvious motive at all. And all of the assailants claimed they went blank during the actual assaults. Hmm. They all occurred shortly past 9 p.m. Curious, isn't it, sir? And then there's the matter of the assailants themselves. None were the criminal type, never had any sign of a violent nature, any of them. Yes, yes, we know all that. And in checking their stories, we find that each one of them evidently thought he was attacking some hostile person, an enemy, perhaps. And every single victim wore some kind of uniform. I think that may be most crucial. We had a chauffeur, two sailors, a doctor wearing a Salvation Army costume, an usher, and now an air raid warden with a helmet and armband. Well, not much of a uniform. Ah, but enough to symbolize a uniform in the mind of a disturbed person. Well, then you think Lord Hardesty was out of his head? In a manner of speaking, yes, sir. I think all of them were. We've just got to find out what put him that way. Excuse me, Inspector. Have you seen the morning sentinel? No, not yet. Uh, thank you. Oh, no. Oh, no. What is it? They've broken the story. All the papers will have it now. May I? Hmm. Scandal. Nightly killings revealed. Aristocrats involved. Each night this week, a mysterious killing has taken place in London at the hands of respected, well-known men. Now, oh, good Lord, Isom, read it to yourself later. Now, this tears it. Have we no progress to report? Well, sir, you know, I'm a great believer in planting seeds. I think the subconscious mind can work out solutions to problems all by itself sometimes, without so much sweat and strain from the conscious mind. It will just plant the right seeds, so to speak. 
Now, it's my theory that when you've given the subconscious all the facts, those seeds will start to grow. Oh, bother your theories. We're being made to look utter asses, and you stand there droning on about your theories. Sorry, sir. Isom, there must not be another killing. Understand? I do, sir. Oh, yes, I do. Obviously, there's some connection between them. Obviously, there's a pattern. Obviously, there's some purpose. Find it. Find it. Mr. Hastings, pleased to see you. Yes, yes. Oh, oh hello, Ison. Good morning, Mr. Hastings. How have you been? Wretched. I... I can't sleep. Every time I close my eyes, I see Fuller lying there in the garage. Yes, yes, I suppose you would. Ison, believe me, I didn't mean to do it. I still don't know why I did it. Yes, sir. Well, that's the reason I'm here, you see. I don't believe you meant to do it either. You, you don't? No. And I don't believe any of the rest of them meant to kill either. The rest of them? Oh, you haven't heard, have you? You killed your chauffeur Monday night, and every night this week there's been another killing like yours. Respectable men suddenly going crackers and waking up to find they've killed an innocent man. You mean, good Lord. We've got an epidemic is what we've got. Now, Mr. Hastings, I want you to think. I want you to tell me every single thing you did, every one you met, every place you went for the week before last Monday. But I, I already told you. I know, but I want to hear it again. All right, I'll, I'll try. Oh, I, I hate to ask, but would you happen to have a smoke? Just my old pipe. Yeah, it's all right. I forgot to have my wife bring me my cigarettes. Yes, sir. Now, I want you to make a list for me of every person you saw and talked to, every place you went... Everything you did, hour by hour, dating back to a week before the Monday night in question. Here. I brought you some paper and pencils. Very well, I'll do what I can. But what are you after, Sergeant? What are you looking for? I don't know, Mr. Hastings. I honestly don't know. I don't know why you've come out here to the stockade, Sergeant. I confess to what I did. I don't have the slightest idea why I shot those sailors, but I did it. Momentary insanity, I suppose, but I'm guilty and I'll take my punishment like a soldier. I'm here, Colonel, because I think you're innocent. What? Oh, I know you pulled the trigger, but something took control of your mind. Something we don't know anything about. Yes, now, I've brought this pad of paper and some pencils. I want you to think carefully of everything that happened to you for the week preceding the shooting. Everyone you met, every place you went. Down. Did all of us, all who killed without reason, or like myself, tried to kill, did so while utterly insane? And that's what I think, too, Sir Adrian. Only I want to find out how five men could all come down with the same insanity on consecutive nights. Oh, I'm afraid there's no mystery to a medical man, Sergeant. I think you'll find that each of us, the Colonel, myself, that pilot, MacDonald, and now Lord Hardesty, were all under terrific pressure. And each of us had heard about the previous killings. And subconsciously, we, we realized that here would be a way to surely be relieved of our pressures. By being quite literally put away. So, when the pressures became unbearable, we banked out, we killed, whoever seemed to be handy at the moment. And then the deed done, our mental lapse ended, and there we stood, condemned by our own deeds. Yes, sir. Except it couldn't have been that way, now could it? Because if you'll recall, the news didn't break about all this until just this morning. Oh, I say, you're right. You didn't know on Wednesday night that there'd been a killing on Tuesday and Monday. But I must have. If I didn't, then then what made me want to kill Paul McNear? Because you saw him in his uniform. His uniform? Don't you remember, sir? You and he were changing out of your surgical gowns, and Dr. McNair got into his Salvation Army uniform, and that triggered you. 
Now we have to find out why. Nonsense. His uniform had nothing to do with anything. I think it did. Now, I know you're very busy as a doctor, but you'll be obliging me very much if you'll just take some time to carefully think back and write down every detail of your life. I tell you, you you know every step I took the night of the, the killing? Yes, sir, I know. But there might be just one tiny detail you've overlooked, Captain McDonald. And that might be the one thing that ties everything together. So try going back a full week. Well, I'll have to think. I brought you a pad of paper, sir. Why don't you just jot down everything you can think of? Yes, I might as well, mightn't I? I certainly have all the time in the world to think about it. No, No, sir, you haven't. Until we can find what's behind these killings, they're likely to keep right on happening every night. Including tonight. I'm sorry, Sergeant. Lord Otterstein is too ill to talk to anyone. It's the shock of the, the incident last night. I know, Mum. That's why we aren't transferring him to jail. But I must speak with him. Well, the doctor left very specific instructions. Nurse, unless we find what drove Lord Hardesty and all the others to commit these attacks, they'll keep right on happening. Now, I'm sure his lordship would want us... To help him in every way he can. Well, I'll be very brief. All right, come with me. My lord? Eh? Who, who is it? It's Sergeant Isom from Scotland Yard, my lord. Uh, Isom? Oh, you, you've come for me, have you? No, sir. I just wanted to ask your help. You see, sir, I believe that all of these unprovoked killings were triggered by something that must have happened to all five of them shortly before. Where the devil have you been all day? Collecting these, sir. Now, what is that mess? Notes, sir, from the five men. Details on everything they did leading up to the moment they each blanked out before they killed These are much more complete than my own notes. Well, it's four o'clock. Five hours until we have another killing on our hands. I know, sir. But maybe we can prevent it. Well, I'll leave you alone. Call me in an hour, whatever you come up with. What do you say, sir? I said... Oh, never mind. Wait a minute. Inspector. What is it? Here it is. I've found it. This... Has to be it. Well, what have you got? Look. Look for yourself. I really have to get back, Uncle. I won't won't be keeping you for long, Denny. And I appreciate you having this walk with me. Uh, the night air clears my head. It is getting chilly. Say, you have any tobacco? Afraid not. I smoke the ciggies when I can get them. Oh, that's right. We're only a block from that tobacconist, though. Eh? Oh, the other day when we were going to have lunch, I stopped in there, remember? Oh, that's right. Well, lead on, Macduff. I'd like to fill my pipe. I've got a long night ahead of me. Poor uncle. Now the word's out about the clockwork killings, I expect you're really getting it. Am I ever? It's tough on me, too, you know. I mean, all my chums at the studio know I've got a Scotland Yard detective in the family, and now they're pressing me for inside information. Yes. Well, you can tell them you haven't got any, and that'll be the truth. Uh, There's nothing you can tell me? Lad, there's nothing to tell. Oh, other than a silly theory of mine. Uh, What's the theory? Say, where's that tobacconist? Oh, 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 right here. Good afternoon, Jinx. Oh, it's Denny Boy and uh, Mr... Isom. My uncle needs some pipe tobacco, Mr. Tufts. Uh, do you think he could, you could locate his blend? Well, we'll certainly try. What will you have, sir? I don't suppose you've got Squire's mixture. Squire's mixture. Let me, let me take a look. Down the whole aisle, I'm afraid. But I'll tell you what. You come back in an hour. I'm expecting a shipment in. Might be something you like just as well. An hour? Wouldn't you be closed by then? It's nearly five o'clock. Yes, we shut up at 5.30, but I'll be here. You just bang on the door and I'll let you in. And we'll see what the barge brought us, eh? 
Well, that's awfully nice of you. Any uncle of Denny Boy's is a friend of Tops. See you in an hour. But uh, mum's the word, eh? Oh, Mr. Isom, come in. You're sure this is all right? Oh, certainly. You're just getting a jump on tomorrow's trade, that's all. Come on in the back room. I'm just unpacking what came in. Oh. Here we are. Light gold it is. Have a smell. Marvelous. What blend is it? Virginia blended with Turkish and Burmese. Burmese? Oh, my, yes. Uh, try a pinch in your pipe. Well, I, I don't want to. Go on. How are you going to tell if it's something you like and you smoke a bit of it? Well, all right. There. Uh, you have a match? Yes, thank you. Uh, now, this is apt to be milder than what you're used to. In fact, it's, it's so mild you can inhale it. Uh, quite refreshing. It's quite smooth, isn't it? Oh, smooth is the word. <laughs> Good Lord, I'm a bit dizzy. It'll pass. Here, sit down. Make yourself comfortable, Mr. Isom. Huh. Thank you so much. Oh, really, a delightful smoke. Just wish I weren't dizzy. Don't worry about that, sir. Believe me, you're going to enjoy this pipe for more than any you've ever smoked. Yes, I do enjoy this more than I've ever smoked. Why, it's growing a bit warm in here. Have you noticed? Yes, stuffy. But loosen my collar. There, now. You're quite comfortable again. Isn't that right, Mr. Lysom? Yes. Very comfortable. Thank you, Tops. Thank you. I think he's quite ready now. Take your post in the front of the shop. Right. I'll sing out if anyone comes. <clears throat> now, Sergeant Isom, take another deep puff of this marvelous tobacco. That's it. Inhale. Deeply. Mm, fine. Now, you will hear no other sound but my voice. Only my voice. Sergeant Isom, you are an Englishman, and your country is at war. My country is at war. Thousands of innocent people are being killed by the Nazis. It's an outrage. You are outraged. I'm outraged. Outraged. Yes, yes, but fate has chosen you, Sergeant, to put an end to this bestial slaughter. Are you ready? I'm ready. I'm ready for anything. Good, good. Now, Sergeant Intelligence has just reported that a suicide squad of stormtroopers has been dropped by parachute onto English soil. Stormtroopers? And they're in hiding here in London this very minute. Yes, you, Sergeant Isom, are the only person who can recognize them and destroy them. Now, I want you to listen very carefully. Tonight, you will listen for the sound of Big Ben striking nine strokes. 9 p.m. Do you understand? 9 p.m. I understand. That will be the signal for the stormtroopers. They will be in uniform... But they will be wearing any uniforms, any uniforms at all. And when Big Ben strikes nine, they will come out and you will see one of them. When you do, what must you do? Stop them. I must stop them. There is no way to stop them except by killing them, Sergeant. This is wartime. These aliens are here to destroy us. You must destroy them first. Yes. Remember... Arm yourself and be ready for Big Ben to strike nine. When it does, you will destroy the first uniformed person you encounter. But until that moment, you will have no memory of this moment. Or of hearing my voice, or the orders I've given. 
and will destroy your enemy, Sergeant, you will forget having done so. It will be wiped out of your mind as if it never happened. For we must preserve security. Understood, Sergeant? Understood. Now, what are your orders? I am to arm myself. I am to listen for Big Ben to strike nine. Then I am to kill the first uniformed man I see. And then I shall forget this moment and your voice and your orders. And after I have killed my enemy, I shall forget killing him. Mm, excellent, Sergeant. Now, I shall count to ten. When I reach the number ten, you will be fully awake, fully refreshed, very satisfied and alert. And you will decide not to buy any of the tobacco you've been smoking. It is too sweet. One. Two. Three. Four. Five. Six. Seven. Eight. Nine. Ten. Well, what do you think, sir? Huh? Well, I, I like it, but I, I think it's a bit sweet for a steady diet. You know what I mean. Well, then let me mix you something from what I've got on stock. Uh, no, actually. I, I really should be getting back. Oh, well, just as you say, sir. <coughs> Awfully kind of you. Not at all, sir. Uh, this way out, and give my regards to your nephew. I'm really thrilled you're letting me come with you, Uncle. But why are we going to Victoria Memorial Hospital? Oh, just playing another one of those theories of mine, Denny. You are inscrutable. Here, you first. Uh-oh, look at the time. Five of nine. Yes. Shouldn't... Uh, shouldn't you be back at the yard? I, I mean, what if there's another clockwork murder? Denny, I wish you wouldn't call them that. That's newspaper stuff. Oh, sorry, Uncle. What are you doing here? Well, it dawned on me that one very important bit in all this was Dr. McNair. The man Sir Adrian Kemple tried to kill Wednesday night. Cracky. That's right. McNair's the only survivor of the whole week of murders. And I haven't really talked to him much. Now, let's see. Excuse me. Yes? Uh, we're to see Dr. McNair. Oh, yes. His office is right there. First door on the left. Thank you. Is he up and around already? Uh, so they told me on the phone. Still wrapped up in bandages all over his face, they said, but making his rounds nevertheless. Cracky. Hello. You'd be Dr. McNair, I believe. Uh, my name is Isom. I'm from Scotland Yard. We met, but you'd just been through quite a shock, so I doubt you'd remember. And this is my nephew, Mr. Cochran. Uh, well, uh, yes, yes, I seem to remember you, uh, Mr. Isom. How are you feeling? Quite, quite well, considering. I must say I admire you, Doctor, continuing on your rounds while you're all bandaged that way. Yes, yes, well, I am rather busy at the moment. Well, we won't keep you long. I just needed to ask you one or two more questions about the attempt Sir Adrian made on your life. I'd really rather forget it, if you don't mind. He, he wasn't himself. What's that, Doctor? I, I can't quite understand you. I said he wasn't himself. You see, when he saw my uniform, for some reason, he'd, he attacked me. Yes, curious. The same uniform you're wearing now. Yes, yes, the same uniform. Now, you really must excuse me. What's that? Get out of here. He'll try to kill me. Help! It's nine o'clock. Good Lord, he's got a knife. Grab him, stop him! I'll cut your throat, you murderer! All right, that'll be quite enough, Isom. Stop it! Thank God you killed him. The knife, Isom. Give it to me. What am I doing? The knife. Hand it to me, Sergeant. Yes, sir. Dr. McNair. Please remove your bandages. Are you out of your mind? Do as I say, or I'll remove them myself. <coughs> there, there. That's what you want? Yes, that's much better. Isom, you were right. I was right? You may not remember now, thanks to Dr. McNair's hypnosis, but you asked me to follow you back to the tobacconists at six o'clock this evening. I heard everything and followed you here. I... 
I really don't remember that. No, I see you don't. But you came to me this afternoon with your theory that since McNair was the only victim of the clockwork killings to survive, this might make him a suspect rather than a victim. And you discovered he used hypnosis on some of his patients. I'm sorry. My memory is hazy. What was that stuff you gave him to smoke, Doctor? Uh, that was a compound of a root found in New Guinea. The natives smoke it to give them the courage to kill their enemies. Good Lord. And you remember telling me, Isom, you'd discovered each of the five gentlemen who'd struck in the evening had visited their tobacconists the same day. I... I don't know. The last few hours are just a fog. Oh, now, don't make such a tragedy of it, Sergeant. Your memory will return. Let me ask you something, Doctor. Why did you do it? Why? Oh, come, come. You're a Nazi. Indeed. And the clockwork killings, then? The start of an ingenious scheme to undermine the famous English morale. Morale? Random killings every night, perpetrated for no reason by otherwise rational, respectable figures. Figures ever higher and higher in government until eventually... Churchill. Churchill? He is addicted to cigars, you know. Filthy habit. Sign of decadence. That's right, isn't it? Adolf doesn't use the evil weed. Uncle, believe me, I had no idea what was going on at that tobacconist. You? Sir? Nyson tells me that you're a news writer for the BBC. Uh, that's right, sir. Well, not one word of this is to get out. Not one single word. Is that clear? Yes, sir. Officially, the clockwork killings simply stopped. <laughs> of tonight's players and a preview of next week's program after this word. Clockwork was produced at Audio Recording Incorporated. In our cast were John Aylward, John Gilbert, Duncan McLean, Douglas Young, Robert O. Smith, Mark Wayne, Debbie Baker, Steve Hilliard, and Al Clark. Engineer, Connie Barton. Now this is your director, Jim French, inviting you to listen next week at this time for crisis.